With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. ADT professionally installs Google Nest products, helping to make your home safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security system from virtually anywhere. And with Nest Cams and Nest Doorbell, you get intelligent alerts on what matters most. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. A show that is surprisingly more terse than the latest epic Fortnite blog, this is the E-League Report, the best damn esports show you'll listen to this week. I'm Brian, he's seven, and we're coming at you live from this brand new car we just won, not even participating in ESL Mumbai. <laughs> I love, that is a very clever intro. I wasn't even expecting that, even in the slightest. You don't expect me to be clever, is that what you're saying? Well, also, you were just like, oh, what that, that, that Dota 2 thing that happened in Mumbai? Just I read like the second. whole story, you don't give me enough credit. On this episode, Liquid gets more liquid, PUBG is still making bank, Hungrybox gets a little crabby, Overwatch is coming to Havana, Sony doubles down on VR and esports, and ESL takes giving trophies to everyone to a new level. But first, Respawn admits it has a content problem. So Respawn obviously getting a ton of flack lately for the lack of content Mm -hmm. in Apex Legends. Uh, Most recently, their CEO was on stage talking about how they recognize that this is a problem. Uh, There is some stuff coming, potentially a new, or not potentially, there will be a Battle Pass Season 2. Uh, but before we dig into whether or not they're making the right sort of changes, let's talk about the frequency of updates first. So they've got this seasonal model that other games mm-hmm. have, but that is largely not really descriptive of anything because the season model can be like 10 times a year, it can be twice a year. And so right. far, it does not seem fast enough, at least based on what the player base is saying. Well, initially, everybody was kind of upset around the lack of content that was in the Battle Pass. It was really just very linear. You make so many points and you get moved up. Yeah, And I don't think it's bad, but I'm also more of a casual player. I don't play it all the time. So if you're someone who plays it repeatedly, yeah, you can just burn through that content. Is it a – is it – is there value in it? Yeah, like you can – the amount of money that you put into it, you actually get more back in terms of uh, like from like skins and such. Uh, but really, yeah, I mean they're, they're not things that keep you engaged every day, which is why a lot of people say like viewership has dropped off. Now, he actually said – uh, in in this talk, that a lot of their problems were the fact that one, they didn't expect things to blow up as fast as it did. Isn't that the story with every game that blows yeah. up fast? Oh well, yeah. And then the other piece was that they also didn't expect that the amount of bugs that hit them that they did. So they kind of went heads down to try and fix bugs and clean up the game because they didn't want it to be there to be issues. And in and in doing so, kind of just forgot to tell people, hey, here's what we're working on. Now, I also read somewhere else where he maybe there was like a little bit of a slight towards EA in the sense of we had to figure out the model a little bit more internally on how we would support it with EA. That's what some people were alluding to. Dot, I can't remember dot, if that was dot. 100% said, but I remember reading something similar to that. That could have been someone inferring, though. I'm not sure. The irony here is the Fortnite community 
currently complaining about too many bugs and focusing too much on content and microtransactions right. instead of fixing the problems of the game. Inverse on the Apex Legends side. Well, evidently, more skins equals more viewers. More bugs equals more viewers. Uh, less bugs equals less viewers. Less content still equals less viewers. We figured that out. We cracked the code. So that's like game theory. Is that what we got going on? Yeah, that's right. Did you not see all the numbers floating around my head while I was doing yes, that, yes. Matt? It's like a beautiful mind over there. Absolutely. <laughs> nothing like that at all. Next up, Team Liquid's parent company, Axiomatic, landed $21.5 million in another round of funding from a group of unnamed adventurers. Adventures? Adventures. <laughs> All right. They're yeah. a band of merry adventurers off to invest in esports. Uh, is this a sign of another team looking to franchise, or does Team Liquid have other plans, or is everybody just running out of money and living off investor cash? I mean, this is a, a weird thing when you think about from a franchising standpoint. They're in League of Legends. They're not necessarily going to jump into another uh, I don't know. There may be another title. 20 Overwatch. They've been successful in Dota 2. Like, what... Where, I mean, what more do they need? For, what do they Money need to, to actually pay the players? Well, there could be that. Yeah, but yeah, for, I mean, between the franchise so Team fees Liquid, and the contract. Team Liquid was one that was, I mean, getting into all of this before the franchising kind of took a crazy hold and everything. They were largely self-funded through their like sponsorship endeavors and things like that. And so they have uh, a lot of people in the FGC space and all these different areas uh, that they're expanding into. But when you see twenty million, that usually is indicative of a franchising fee is coming. That's what we always see, right? Either like, that or oh. we're building a glorious new training facility. Right, right. That could be keeping up with uh, the Gen Gs, I guess yeah, you say. Yeah, the Gen Gs. The Gen Gs. There you go. But uh, anyways, I think that that's it's one of those things where like maybe this could be could this be like Call of Duty something coming up. Could this? No, no. no I, Am I reading point, way too much into the tea reading, leaves? Well, basically, what this is is we have nothing else to talk about this week, so we're going to random conjecture on uh, what the twenty one half million. <laughs> I mean, I really means. didn't know. I wanted to know what you thought on this. I think I, I think we're already here, but it's not as obvious. We are going to get to a point where people realize that this is just money to keep the lights on. This is just like any other startup investment, and at some point, you're either putting money on it so it'll grow. You are okay. putting raising money because of the macroeconomic climate, and you think this is a good time to raise money, or you are running out of money faster than you can make it, and you're hoping that you will reach some sort of escape velocity where either something goes public or that at some undetermined number in the future, all of a sudden, this will become profitable. I really do think esports has that problem right now. Like, yes, they may be raising money at a micro level to pay franchising fees or to keep up with uh, player contracts or whatever the case may be. But unless you're expanding into a new game or you know you have some product that you're selling, it's really just to keep paying the bills because what you're currently doing is not profitable. This very much feels like that because Team Liquid does not have any franchising immediately in their future we could see them doing outside of the Call of Duty League, which I'll believe that when I see it because the damn league gets rumored every single year and it right, never right. comes to fruition. And this is way too early for that to be the case given that this had already kicked off in the previous season. So we've got till almost 12 months for it to roll around again before the franchising would be in play. I think they're just like any other esports team, and they're running out of money, and they need to pay them bills. Or maybe they're just going to get about 50 more Fortnite players and yes, just yes. play the spread, right? And then they're like, just going to not cheat in the World Cup, and then oh, everything yeah. will be fine. Yeah, well, that'll also be a helpful uh, thing, right? I mean, I think if you look at the optic gaming situation, here is one that months before we broke the story broke the story like we're the investigative journalists <laughs> yeah, i was like wait a minute no we're like cnn it's breaking news all the everything's time. breaking everything's news. breaking news breaking news from the ap like yeah. no 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 breaking news from something i read on the toilet this morning but i think what we saw with optic gaming was 
they had one of the strongest brands in esports. We talked about number of fans and the amount of merchandise sold. They were up there with your Cloud Nines, and that didn't stop them from just spending the money poorly and running out of money very quickly. And they sh- arguably had a lot more potential income streams outside of winnings than Team Liquid has. So if you look at Team Liquid, maybe they're in better shape, especially when you compare them to Optic uh, financially, because they didn't get that Overwatch team. I mean, it could be the case. They also didn't start 19 shell companies to do random things uh, in well, esports. There's, there's that. There's that, too. <laughs> oh, man. Epic Games has fired shouts at Valve this week as Tim Sweeney, founder and CEO of Epic, stated that if Steam would match Epic's developer cut of 88%, they'd stop pushing for exclusives. Burn. Yeah. So Tim believes that such a move would be a glorious moment in the history of PC gaming and would have a sweeping impact on other platforms for generations to come. Do you think that's actually the case? No. No, I don't at all. Because then all you right, start getting story. into like the actual features and, and, and such. A lot of people call out Tim uh, largely around... Being an a-hole? Well, there's that. But also saying these like grand vision things, but in the back end being like taking 10 cents money and uh, all these things that are kind of counting to be an independent game studio right, with right. billions of dollars of Chinese investment. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the same point in time, like you, you, you have to look at it. They're going after these exclusives because they want more people to come to their platform. But they also don't have all the features, uh, features that uh, Steam has. And I Steam know, has been what would I do building those stickers. No, no. Granted, I I really think, and I have said this multiple times, that Valve would not exist as a company at the rate in which they put out games, especially with the games like Artifact. Uh, it, wow! It, right, right. We've got we almost Artifact, had an Artifact-free episode. Almost. There was literally nothing in here, and I had to inject it. I'm sorry, but I mean, at the rate in which they release games and address issues and whatever it may be, no other gaming company can do it. People yell at, uh, you know, we're, we're yelling at Respawn for only giving updates every couple of weeks. Like Valve will go in the dark for years. <laughs> I mean, come on, Half-Life Three, everybody, right? So I'm telling you, it's because we needed stickers and Steam, but. But they've been sitting on Steam. Steam has been the dominant platform. It's been uh, a monopoly for quite some time. And because of that, we haven't really had a ton of innovation in that space. Here comes Epic Games. They've hoarded all the players to themselves, largely because they want to keep all that transactional money to themselves. Makes perfect sense. Uh, Multiple Multiple companies have their own launchers for that exact reason because they don't want to pay that 30% fee. It's the same as the App Store problem. Oh, it, it is. It is. But at the same point in time, you can't say, hey, we're not going to do any of these features and give you a what is basically a bare bones store with no features. Just so we can and then make we want them Valve, yeah, And then we want Valve to match that. And still, basically, in the end, I think he said they really only make about 7%. 6% to 7% is what Epic makes off per game after you take out transactional fees and whatever it may be. Like, you can't say that. The funny part was that somebody responded to him on Twitter, basically gave a list of feature comparisons of Steam versus the Epic Store, uh, and then slid in there uh, spying from communist China or something like that. (laughs) And listed it as like a win in like the Epic's column. So. Epic only had like three wins, and one of them was spying by China, which that was, and and actually got his response. He's like, oh, "Come on now, guys, seriously, can we have a fair comparison that doesn't include spying from China?" Okay, great. Then you only get two wins. He, yeah, that was the thing. It's you legit. Yourself, you took a point away from yourself. He did. He did. This is no different than what we've seen Blizzard do with BattleNet. Like, as far as, like, there is no more features to compare in the grand scheme of things for Blizzard and Activision's game in Battle.net and the games they've gotten as exclusives in Epic. If Blizzard just woke up one day and decided, we're just going to sell games, they could do it right now and be a feature parody with the Epic Store. Would they be on mobile? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> Only if they copied somebody else's launcher. I know. Well, I mean, and the way this, I, I think this does impact esports is because some of these groups actually use it for driving esports uh, viewership towards whatever it is they're doing. Yep. Same way with the launcher for Overwatch League. Uh, Steam does it largely when it comes to, like majors and the international. Yep. And when you have your own client like that, you can do some of these extra and cool things. Epic just doesn't seem to be interested in doing the extra cool stuff. No. Uh, they just want they to... They you're taking our percentage. We want our percentages back. Right. And that's pretty much it. And I think this is a very unfair call-out uh, of trying to throw down the gauntlet against Valve. But at some point in time, I think Valve sits on their laurels and makes a ton of cash when they shouldn't be, in all honesty. It is allowing them to because they just rake in millions and millions of dollars. And this is where people get upset. It's because Steam is doing a lot of interesting things with the platform. But generally speaking, it's a monopoly. And those things would not matter as much if they would have started at the exact same time. I don't, there's not things about steam that I get super excited about, like the gifts and sticker system and the right. streaming implementation is really wonky. Bad. Like bad is another word you could use. Yeah, to describe I was going to say complete and utter shite, but yes, um, generally speaking, steam isn't this amazing piece of software, but I also like, if you're going to call somebody out for just that reason, and you're doing the same thing, that percentage only matters for them because they also own the game. I imagine that one of these exclusives is not making that epic of a cut, no pun intended, compared to what they would make on the Steam store. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I understand where he's coming from. This is more of like a developer view of the world. He's but, just angry because Steam beat him to it. Well, and so is Twitch. So is Discord. Like, everybody's trying to jump into it. They've everybody's tried to go another game round. store and nobody cares. Right. And that's kind of the, the problem. It's like the streaming wars that's going on now. Yeah. Except only one's winning, and everybody else are just sad trombones in second place. Disney XD? I'm looking at you, Mixer. Oh, man. Boom, shots fired. Why? PUBG, what? Hey. <laughs> I don't even know why you would fire shots like that. I'm sorry. You just trashed valves. Was that not good enough? <laughs> nope, nope. Got to get Mixer in there as well. You're the one who goes on the show. I don't have to worry about it. Oh, man. PUBG Court may not be in as bad of a spot as we thought, as the company recently reported $920 million in revenue in 2019, with 311 of it being actual profit, nearly a billion dollars in sales, over $300 million in profit. Sounds like a deal most any gaming company would kill for. So why are we still like, yep, yeah, PUBG sucks? Well, I think if you look at it, I mean, a lot of this came from their transition over to China. I think something like 53, 58% actually comes from China. You want to make money, go to and, China. Well, right. But the thing that I actually found interesting in all of this is I assumed a majority of their money was coming from mobile yeah. in China, and it is not the case. No, at all. I didn't PC. realize that either. That was the first thing that like jumped out to me was that the deal they made to get Tencent to publish the game in, for mobile in China, because you have to have these joint ventures in order to do anything in China, uh, they are taking a massive percentage. They must be. Yeah. A massive percentage where this is not actually having that big of an impact on the bottom line, because I mean, that game is wildly popular in china on mobile it, it must be so to give you an example they made uh of that 911 million 790 million of that was from the pc platform only 65 million was actually made from uh, uh 65 million was made from mobile and console was 58 so like that's like it's a huge disparity of what we thought they were actually keeping was keeping the lights on, but it's on the PC side of things still. Yep, seven hundred ninety million of that from the PC, only sixty five million from mobile, fifty eight million on console. Like you said, that sixty five million really jumps yeah. out because most of that is coming from China, which is supposed to be the majority of the players. Yeah, yeah, and that's where they're they're big at. So 
Um, I I didn't expect that, but I mean, this does go to show that you can have mo- there there's there's still room to have multiple battle royales that are successful. You don't have to be Fortnite and fame to make it. PUBG is far from dying. I mean, if you have three hundred and plus million dollars in profit, dollars and being third place. Yeah, I mean that is essentially, if I'm correct, like Activision Blizzard at one point in time, the three hundred million when Warcraft was in its somewhat heyday was like the profit that Activision Blizzard as a whole was bringing in and contributing to Activision Blizzard's bottom line. And PUBG is making this off a single game, right? Right. Yep. And, and a mobile game. It so just maybe... goes to show that we suck as the media and we just make things big. And... No, I, I don't think that. I, I don't think it's that. I just think that uh, I don't know. Well, sorry. I don't know how much of this is front loaded to the beginning of last year and, and if it's been it's on, all a front steady, on a steady decline or whatever it may be. I, I just thought the numbers from mobile was far off. I would I would have expected almost 50 50 in this. But, but I mean, imagine huge. if they could have got into China without that big of a cut. Yeah, they could have started their own game store. <laughs> You're awful, man. <laughs> in the amazingly titled patent filing from Sony, spectator view into an interactive gaming world showcased in a live event held in a real-world venue, uh, Sony details uh, a VR presentation for esports. Now, we've seen something similar to this. Uh, the NBA has been experimenting with this for live games. Uh, Dota 2, you can kind of do this already. They've done a little bit for the international, right. but just the in-game spectating that you can do, with like where you're literally in there. Um, it's pretty awesome. Do you actually see this going anywhere, and will it be called this when it goes to market? <laughs> the longest name ever. Uh, patent, patent names are usually, because they're, they're supposed to spell out what it actually does. And it's, well, that yeah. literally spells it out. That, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know what it should have done is just thrown an e-sports or e-gaming in there just to throw yeah, it off. The yeah, uh, no, I, I think I think it's a cool thing to have, but it has not taken off. Well, so we should uh, talk about a little bit more detail about what won't. this is. Well, so okay, so basically what this is is it looks like it's a, a project that's going to be focused around the uh, Sony's PlayStation Plus League. This is that competitive. By the way, this is how I learned that this was a thing. Was through this thing, right, right, right. Uh, So it's a competitive gaming, uh, I guess you could say, area or whatever you want to call it, uh, which is kind of focusing on like things like Fortnite, Rocket League, the gym. Yeah, it is. It's Disney XD Lite, Rocket League. Man, you give me shots. You're making shots of Disney XD in like every story. Yeah, I know. What did they do to you? I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Hannah Montana scare that that might come back is really my problem. Uh, I don't even know what we were talking about in this show. <laughs> you were describing this awesome experience. So this we're is just basically, yeah, the ability to uh, feel like you're sitting in an arena and watching a an event in the Sony, the via, the PlayStation VR headset. It's almost like you have a, a seat and they want to pipe it in like almost like live audience. You can like look around, see the audience and witness what's going on. So this on. is like the Netflix shared experience where like the two of us look like we're sitting in a living room watching a movie. Together. Yeah. Yeah. The one that we use all the time because that's the you, best you, way to watch a And then you do the yawn movie. move and you're like, I was like, oh, I felt that. Yeah. Yeah. It's super weird. It is incredibly awkward. Now, I just don't see wearing a headset for the duration of a of an esports event for that long. No, this is exactly what the NBA's has been trying to do, where basically you take a seat at a game and right. then you're able to watch the game with the VR headset on like you're in the arena. But this goes one step further and actually says then you can be transported into the physical game itself. Which is more like watch, the Dota experience. Which is the Dota experience. And you can watch it and rotate around and check it out. So I don't I'm actually surprised that this could be patentable because I feel like everybody already has a piece of this unless you're literally pat- patenting the fact that you can do both in the same experience. Uh it more than likely wouldn't be. It's more of the 
I guess you say the fact that you could just do it, like the experience itself. Just do it. Yeah. Patents are a weird thing. Patents are a very weird thing. So what I'm hearing from you is that you're going to run home right now, put on your PlayStation VR. Jump right into spectator view into an interactive game world, gaming world showcased in a live event held in a real world venue mode. Yes. That's the first thing I'm firing up. Does that fit all on the screen or do you need like an ultra wide? Uh, yeah, you do. It actually just, you actually have to wear your VR headset to see that mode. And you so have you to can, turn your head. It's a 360 <laughs> just to click the button. If you lay these letters out, it's a complete circle around your brain. It's a halo. I yep. like it. In the one of the strangest, this is actually a bold statement, by the way, Mr. Notesmaker. In the one of the strangest headlines we have ever had. Team- I, I did not put ever. And just one of the strangest headlines we've had. Because this is, uh, this is a bizarre one. I felt, like, I felt like this is, this is a weird one. Thank you. All right, let's try that again. In one of the strangest headlines we've had, Team Liquid's player Hungrybox gets a dead crab thrown at him after winning the Smash Finals of PAL 2019. What? A crab. (laughs) I spent 20 minutes Googling to see if there was some significance to the crab, and it seems like, nope, he just had a crab thrown at him. I so I don't know he if it, I don't know too. if there was just some kind of like crab vendor at at the venue. Yeah, where does one like find a concession stand? A random crab. I thought I might have. On all honesty, I think I might have actually seen like a concession like opening area in the back. And but so this it could have like been somebody a, still this eating. Is like a real like raw crab. Yeah, like legit. Is it like, like crab on a stick? Uh, I don't know. Just literally. so he wins this. I think it was even. Uh, it was a reverse sweep, uh, wasn't it? I think it was a reverse sweep. Yeah. He come from the lower bracket, so he, I think he even had to do the reset. And so he basically wins, uh, and I didn't, again, get to see the entire ending of it, so I don't know if that's any of the case on which, how he did win. But I know he did come from, like, lower bracket, and did yeah, have no, won, like, five and, games and there's a reverse sweep. Yeah. And then he's starting to celebrate, and he, like, shakes the guy's hand, and then he sits down again to, like, wrap up his controller, and all of a sudden a dead crab just comes out <laughs> yeah. of left field, almost hits him in the head, and then he loses his ever-living shit on the crowd. Oh, yeah. He just loses he it. Like, runs off to the side of the stage, starts trying to find the person, yeah. and my favorite comment was, somebody's about to get bodied. <laughs> Yes, yes. The commentators are like, that's bullshit. And then it's like, oh, someone's about to get bodied. Now, to be fair, I don't think Hungry Box is going to be bodying anybody. No, no, no. But, but I mean, if, you, if you're the kind of person that is willing to throw a crab at a day, you need know, a sneeze guard. guard. They just and, need a sneeze guard. But I mean, are we – so this is uh, the question I have is, are we approaching a point in which we have to remove or separate actual uh, players from – fans like have something in the way we started uh it was a dota 2 tournament where they were yelling stuff and they were able to like interject with uh what was going on uh, it was a csgo event right and and so they were interfering with actual gameplay by yelling out positions yep. they were approaching them after the fact and yelling racist things i'm not blaming all fans not all fans are crab throwers right uh i knew that you would not be able to resist one last defense <laughs> yeah sorry somebody randomly thought because i said oh you shouldn't flip off the fans that's enabling people to be racist but that's not what i'm talking now about. you're enabling crab throwers yeah yeah so i no, i'm just saying like are we at a point where we need to separate the two because of uh how long is it until something bad happens again uh i mean and, and this has been a problem 
in traditional sports, especially very recently in the Premier League, there have been fans. They had this rash of fans at different games that were running out onto the pitch and like security was having to grab them. They're trying to interact with the players. And so it's a real problem in traditional sports. I think what is tough for the FGC in particular right. is because it's so in the culture, right? Like yeah. one, one second you are the player. And then you are down on the floor watching the event. It's not like, oh, I bought a ticket to the Overwatch League. It's like you are potentially and most likely a participant in an FGC event if you are there. And so that makes it a little bit harder to say you could do it at this particular event. But I do think, generally speaking, player security is going to have to start mattering at some point. Like If you take into account what happens at the Overwatch League, at the Blizzard Arena, they literally walk up the middle of the crowd where anybody could just grab them and do something. And, you know, you can say, yes, but I can get that close to a player, you know, leaving the locker room in the NBA or WWE is a perfect example. Yeah, but you get through a lot of security to even get to And that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of security where this is literally I just walked off the street. And I maybe went through a metal detector at the uh, Anaheim uh, studio where they shoot Overwatch League, and that's it. Well, I'm not going to knock like security at, at uh, the Overwatch. Like, no, no, but I'm just too, saying, but, generally speaking, yeah. like it's. I'm talking more about the security that keeps the people safe from just like physical harm because somebody right. goes and punches them. Or, right. Yeah. Because you can go through security through a metal detector and still be able to hurt somebody because you're able to literally walk right up to the player as they're coming up to the stage and just sock them in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I have metal hands, so I would just I'm I'm. They just let you through because you're yeah. like jacks. <laughs> exactly. No, I. I think in this case, you bring up a good point because a lot of the people who uh, attend FGC events uh, are actually participating in some way, shape, or form. So they're not technically always considered fans. They're actually other players. Correct. But – and I also don't want to get down the whole rabbit hole of the, – the, the crab hole of Whoa. of what happens when you – like. Uh, because an actual crab was thrown at someone. So it wasn't like he was in danger. I just feel silly saying this repeatedly. Yeah, well, I mean, but it could have been anything, right? So it, you can extrapolate to like, what if this could have been was a lobster? A lobster. What, what this could have been a seahorse artifact keys. What if this could have been something dangerous <laughs> that could have instilled boredom? Oh, and- I say all artifact keys would have done is put him to sleep, <laughs> and then he would have got reverse swept himself. But no, I'm just saying. Uh, I don't even know what's going. What's wrong with this show? Uh, but people have been trying to answer that for three years. Yeah. Now. All I'm saying is that like it, it could get worse. It, it it has gotten worse in the past. We have had people shot at. We have had all kinds yeah. of things go wrong because of lack of security. It just sucks because like you had mentioned like, in the FGC world, like this is part of it, right? The closeness of it is part of the draw yep. to it in the family of you of go to Evo. Everybody's on. there to play and watch. So yeah. What do you do? I just don't know. I just don't. I don't know where the happy medium is. And I don't think we've hit that point where you have to separate people at an event, but I just check it for crabs. Check, <laughs> I resisted the crab just, joke in the intro, but I couldn't resist it again. All right. Good. Oh good. man. So as usual, Blizzard listens to the show, waited till we put the new episode up and then dropped some knowledge on us. So there is a ton of information that has come out in the last week. We got the overwatch new map an escort map in Havana that is based off the one from the current storm rising event. We've got the workshop, which has people losing their minds with excitement, which is something I've not said about Overwatch in a while. Um, It's a gameplay modding tool. It's up on the PTR now. There's a ton to unpack in all this, especially with what you could do with this workshop tool. But what is the most exciting parts for you? I actually kind of of like the the new map. Now, I get that the workshop tool is 
Literally, like, like, I just like played out the go, workshop yeah. too. Like, my favorite part is the new splash screen. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I do like it. Uh, I like the fact that they've kind of throw in like here's the groundwork for like a, a battle royale, right? I mean, so there's a lot of cool things that can be done with it. It's just not live yet, and I haven't really seen the implementations of it or gotten a chance to go ahead and like actually make some changes. Yeah, but there's some people cool dabble. Stuff. Yeah, we've seen people dabble. They've been very like. Uh, one trick kind of pony versions of like gameplay modding. Like everybody has the equivalent to like force pushes and lightsabers. So everybody gets to play as Darth Vader. Or my favorite were the Tracer Rings of Doom. Yeah, <laughs> or what was the bumper car? D- bumper car divas was yes. like another one. So again, like little modes. That sometimes people were goofing around and playing. What was the one? Uh, what was the mode that people were doing, like volleyball, at one point in time? Oh yeah, yeah, where they had the mercy beams, and then they were yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so there was there's little things like that which people have already been doing, but this kind of unlocks a lot more of it. It's super unique. It can be taken uh, a, a very long ways in terms of gameplay modes and modding, and I think it's great because I feel like this should have been out a long time ago, but it's almost. Maybe how they even test things. This almost feels like it's like an internal tool for what they use for something. And it is. So if you uh, watch the actual developer update, which could be painful sometimes, because our boy Jeff, just the delivery, needs some work. Let us help you out, Jeff. I just want to hug him. And you're just like, Jeff, please, stop. Stop. Be quiet. Hug me. All right. All right. Um, so, Awkward. But he talked about there was actually two developers that were like, man, it'd be so cool if we could find a way to expose these scripting tools that we use internally for the fans to mess with. And so it's been a passion project for the last year. I think their names were Don and Keith. It was very awkward how he just called out Don and Keith. But Don and Keith uh, built these scripting tools and then put a nice GUI over it. Now, he says, and I have not, I have not messed with it either. I've watched a bunch of videos. It's still fairly complicated to use, especially if you don't understand programming. But right. it makes it for people who who do understand programming, maybe don't write in the language that Overwatch is written in and scripting wise are able to do a lot of interesting things with it. So what it looks like is a lot of like chained rule sets with drop downs and things of that nature. Scratch that or whatever do. it is. Yes. <laughs> For kids. yes. Yeah. So it's like machine learning, but not really. Um, but it's a pretty cool concept and it's uh, that you get to do a lot of things with it and you can not just modify the physical gameplay mechanics, but you can also modify how the heroes uh, abilities right. work, and they talked about you could use it to prototype new heroes. Now, there's a couple important things here. There's no map editor, so this is not like you get a bunch of art assets and you can change the map however you want to. So you're limited in there. You also can't change, like, can't import visuals or anything of that nature. So you're stuck with like you can't literally make a new hero. But what you can do is modify the abilities of an existing hero to right. you know act like a new hero, which is a lot of ways we've heard you know early on in development that's how they would do it. They wouldn't go through the hassle of like remodeling a whole new hero. They would just give a hero a different set of abilities to see how they interacted before they right. put any more. Right, right. In. Which is also explains like why so many heroes feel like they're just an expansion of another hero's powers is because they all started that way. It's also how paladins, they clearly just got a uh, early build of overwatch and just move some <laughs> sliders be, around. It could be. No, I, I think it's really neat. I think the new map is, is pretty cool. It's, you can already play part of it. Essentially. If you're not on the PTR, it's part of the uh, storm rising. I think yeah, it's an yeah. event. Yeah. Similar um, to what they did with uh, Rialto as well. Right. I mean, I've, sorry, I, I've played the event. I can't remember. There's like storm rising, uprising, Rising Bread, I don't know. This is Rising Bread. Okay, Rising, Rising bread. bread with Maximilian. It's a Sunday yeah. Uh, cooking show. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, I, I think so. there are some uh, interesting points in it in which uh, create, like, some crazy choke points uh, reminiscent of almost, like, uh, Hollywood early on um, or, like, uh, uh, Dorado. Like, there's some crazy 
tough points where like from a defending standpoint, it definitely feels like you have the edge. But the very first run of it almost feels like it's totally in the attacker's favor. So I, I have a feeling we'll see a lot of people push uh, through point one, but point two gets really tough, I think. Which is a common thing. I mean, this is Volskaya, right? Where there's like, it's very, very easy to get to point one and then point two becomes a big pain in the ass. Right. And I think it's a design uh, approach that they seem to favor. Where it's like, I, I think it's because if you break through 2.1, uh, you basically have... Uh, a better chance of moving forward because you've kind of thinned out the defenses because they move the defender spawn point back, whatever it may be. And so you have uh, a little bit of a window to try and set up and create a new uh, way of attacking. Uh, they're just the, the way this map is built. There's a lot of flanking points and small like hallways in which you have to find that you can, when you, if you do like a fly through, watch some of the fly throughs and, and some of the readings of it, you start getting points of like Dorado. You start getting a little bit of that Hollywood first point. You get, um, uh, just you can see bits and pieces in, that they've taken from other maps, and so you're what saying they do the same wall. thing with maps as they do with heroes. Yeah, at some point in time, maps will be able to climb walls. Everything is a remix. Yep, that's it. Last week, we spoke about various accusations of cheating in the events leading up to the Fortnite World Cup, all of which ended with Epic Games responding, "We're working on a blog post about it," which is such a <laughs> weird it. thing to say. Um, but the blog post is out, and most surprisingly, it is longer than two sentences. Uh, but what is your thoughts about this uh, incredibly hyped blog post? Well, it shows that they were aware of some big problems, right? So they came out and they said, this is just for the World Cup Online Open Week 1. This is what they did, the actions that were taken. 1,163 accounts were banned from competitive play. Uh, for 14 days, 48 accounts were banned for sharing for 14 days. Eight accounts were banned for teaming. One account was banned permanently for cheat using cheat software during the semifinals. Yep. So they made it all the way through to the semis. Didn't they remove prize a prize from one of the people teaming as well? Yeah. Uh, the one now they did say that that count was played for less than five minutes in the semis. Whoever it was in the semis forgot to turn it on, maybe or didn't do a good job with it. Uh-uh. But they did adjust. Uh, uh, this I think they said this includes nine prize winners. Uh, that was on the 48 accounts they had banned. It says includes nine prize winners who have their prizes forfeited for sharing accounts. So they basically had a, someone going in playing multiple accounts to try and win out. And oh, win that person must have been pretty good. Uh, yeah, but now they've lost all the money. That's but true. they've done a couple of things too. Like they've created an algorithm so they can see whether or not you're essentially teaming, yep. uh, which I think is useful. They've inst- uh, they've instituted like the replays and such, and they make them available for people to watch. Now, and I, I think these are, are good things. I really like the replay factor more than anything. However, I mean, the one – people will jump on it constantly, and, and the replays still aren't 100% accurate. We've seen right? this with Overwatch, right? Like this was the whole uh, Gaguri thing with like, oh, she can't be that good. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, well, the replays are nice because they're there. You can and you can see if somebody is like basically able to pull shots or, or track people through walls, whatever it may be. That's useful. Sometimes on whether or not the shot lands is sometimes like a weird server tick kind of thing. Right. Um, but we've it, all been in those our own replays where we're like, "There's no way that should." Yeah. Hit. How in the hell that hit me and you end up dying? But or, it's really like basically every play of the game in Paladins it always makes me sad. That, that just I think Paladins. Uh, I'm salty at Paladins. Yeah. Evidently, man. Jeez. Fix the lights. Uh, but Congress. they also kind of called out that. If something is found by the community, like find a way to constructively bring this up and yeah, not just do a giant witch hunt. But uh, 
But when you're dealing with like 14-year-olds and millions of dollars... 14-year-olds, money, and Reddit. That's a horrible combination. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I mean, kudos to them for uh, basically taking a year's worth of blog posts, combining it into one. Uh, it probably helped they had some stats this time to talk about. That was I, I was happy they had that because I was like, if we wait weeks for a blog post that just says, if you cheat, we will ban you, I'm going to be super, super pissed. Right. Or like one of those uh, Valve level, if we heard something was going on, we would totally do something about it, but we would not tell you what yeah. we did. Or these like weird, like if we happen to spawn cheating in the future we will also check you for gambling it's like wait what is going on valve like valve sometimes like foreshadow stuff you're like are they responding to some random lawyer request that yeah, nobody else like saw the like government it, has subpoenaed them and all of a sudden they're like we know you're gambling <laughs> yeah and like so i just borrowed some cheetos nope <laughs> going to jail it's just bad stuff sometimes you don't you wonder what valve but anyways yeah so uh, good on good. them. Yeah, finally. How much do you think good it cost them to find somebody who could write more than two sentences at a time? $311 million. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, PUBG, for the loan. We appreciate it. Moving on to this next story, which I'm just going to start out, but just going to get it out of the way now. This is complete and utter bullshit. Thank you. I just wanted to get that out. So Rick Fox is stepping away from Echo Fox after multiple conflicts with a shareholder and investor that resulted in racist remarks and threats to his family. Now, the racist remarks were uh, directed not just at him, but at Jace Hall, who's the former CEO of Echo Fox and is now involved with Twin Galaxies. Um, I... There's so much to unpack here. So there's this letter that was or email that was gotten by Richard Lewis, I believe, right? Uh, I'm not sure how Richard came across it. Yeah, so somebody somehow yeah. got this email that has not technically been released yet. That is a letter from Rick Fox, who is basically telling the Echo Fox organization that this has happened, that this investor has said these things, and he cannot work for an organization where that is in play. So he is leaving Echo Fox at the at the soonest moment in which he can unload his stake in Echo Fox, which leads me to believe one of two things is going on here. Either one, he's using this as a mechanism to force the person who's being racist out by saying, hey, I'll pull out and be like, oh, we can't have the face of the organization go out. Or he's locked up in some sort of situation where he has to go because there's no way to get the investor out. But either yeah. way, this is a horrible situation for somebody who has been amazing the esports. Really, as we talked about earlier in the day, is the catalyst for what we currently view as like traditional sports invested esports. Before it was the cool thing to do, Rick Fox got yeah. involved in Echo Fox. And personally, you know, for myself, it's also sad to see him go because Echo Fox has always leaned so heavily into the FGC when other organizations were not willing to. Like, this is just shitty across the board. Oh, 100%. So to be clear, I think the email was actually sent out on April 19th. So it was an internal email sent out, but sure. it wasn't like... But it's not been released as a press release. Like, no, 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 no. So he's essentially looking for a way uh, to get people to buy out his share. To me, this sounds like very reactionary. Like he's not negotiated a way of leaving. He's basically stating intentions that he wants to leave. He will try and find someone to take his spot. He hasn't come up with a deal already to do it. It sounds like he just basically fed up. And, and from what I hear is that uh, the other investors in this group kind of don't want to deal with the other investor who's being re racist and saying what they're saying. Like they don't want to address it. And that is what fired him up to actually say, well, then I'm leaving because I'm not going to stick with this. Right. And so that is largely 
where this is, is stemming from. I, I mean, as of the time we're recording, it's not been announced who the investor is or who the other No, because is. they have reached out to Rick Fox, the organization, and this investor, who they do know who the investor is, and they're waiting for comment before they're willing to unveil. Oh, it's, a, it's a, yes. officially now they know who the Yeah, the so, they, so, so the article, which was on uh, Dexerto, I believe, they said that they have reached out to comment to all three parties, and they're waiting for a return on those requests for comment before they uh, decide if they're going to say who the investor is. Oh, I didn't realize they actually know who it is. They're just being... Yep. Drama nice is living. high. Gotcha. Well, this is this is breaking in terms of CNN news. Breaking news. Yeah. So, but it's... It, it's absolutely awful because he's done a lot for the scene uh, You know, with Equifax. You can take what their win rates were in any game or whatever and like say, oh, well, they don't really do all that great. But he's done a lot of things to take care of his players, right? Doing a lot of uh, mental and physical health stuff, adding that into their rotations for like a daily regimen and things like that. Really taking a lot of the things from a traditional sports uh, stick and ball kind of world and how they take care of their uh, pro players in terms of team health and brought that into esports. He's, not, I mean, it wasn't like 100% groundbreaking, but it was definitely his view of it. Like, I can make better players and we can make better decisions based off of that. And he ran it kind of like an experiment, but he still continued to take care of his people. He's also been a big advocate in the mainstream media for esports. If you think of the yeah. early days when it started taking off and people were not taking it seriously before your Shaquille O'Neal's and whatnot invested he's, into it. He's more than likely the person who got Shaquille O'Neal to invest 100%. In yeah. 100%. So he, he's had a big part to play. I don't think this means he's out of esports, but he's clearly... Somebody's leaving Echo Fox, whether it's him or this investor. And for those of you asking, like, oh, why don't they just give the money back? Like, these investor relationships are often very, very oh, complicated. No. Yeah. And he may be in a position where there is not a whole lot he can do without the support of the other investors. Now, if there's other investors on board and they're in the physical board, they can vote this person out. And this may be what he's referring to. And he says, it seems like nobody's willing to take action here. Right. I can't do enough on my own because I don't have enough shares to vote the guy out or whatever the case may be. So he is choosing to step away. Yeah, it does sound like that's the case. Uh, and it's just, it's an unfortunate all around. The fact that, you know, we talk about it from players having to deal with it is, and then you, we also look even higher up. It just doesn't seem to, nobody's immune to it, right? Like it doesn't seem to stop. It still seems to be something. And I don't know if this is, again, I don't know exactly what shareholder they're referencing. If this is something brought over from like, again, traditional sports. I bet he's an old white dude. Oh man, I know that was coming, but it's probably true. Probably true. Yeah. Old white dude. Yeah. Cranky. Oh, man. ESL Mumbai. I feel like they are trying to break the record for Blizzard for giving us show topics and continuing. I'm upset episodes. that this is only one tournament that's lasted like five shows. This is unbelievable. So even after the main event, uh, the Chinese community is up in arms as Febby, a stand-in player for Team Mineski, has somehow won the MVP. Now... The MVP usually is like, oh, we don't all agree, but this is like an extreme case. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times you'll see like an MVP and it might be like, well, some other players contributed differently throughout the tournament, whatever it may be. But there's a weird way in which ESL one kind of again screwed this up. It's like they're just so, like, you know what? We're just going to make this the textbook case of how not to run a tournament. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a, a solid job. So Febby is, if you don't have a background, so Febby is a former player for Maneski who's standing in for Bimbo, who is uh, a, another player who was working on a visa issue so that he could attend the Disney Major. It almost sounds like a Disney movie that Febby is standing in for Bimbo so that Bimbo can go. To Disney, it's like Mighty Ducks does esports. It kind of does, man. This esports stuff. Uh, anyway, so but ESO one decided to hold the voting for the MVP 
on Twitter. The problem with that is Twitter is banned in China. The other team that Minescu is playing, which was King Gaming, is a Chinese team, which means those fans couldn't, couldn't actually vote for their vote team. For their team. Jesus. And to make it worse, multiple times throughout the tournament, uh, it's so, oh, I don't know if this was clear or not, but the MVP wasn't just an award. You also won a car. A Mercedes. A Mercedes. Yep. And so multiple times, Fibby says, oh, man, vote for me. I really want that Mercedes. Like He would just throw it out there all the time. And if you look at it, Keen Gaming's Twitter presence, because Twitter's banned in China, is like 400 people. Yep. Fibby is well into like the tens of thousands. He had like 13,000 followers yeah. on his own. Right, on his own. So, again... Uh, I said tens of thousands. Yeah, the teens, thousands. <laughs> See, I, Accuracy I'll, is not our strong point. It's right. Okay. The, the math thing, I got it confused no, from earlier no. in the show. But anyway, <laughs> I knew it was like 14K or something like that. Anyways, but he's uh, he was kind of pandering to it, and then he ends up winning it. Uh, even though their team got swept, he got MVP as a stand-in in a popularity contest. He's a stand-in contest. loser and won himself a Benz. Yeah. 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 Uh, Excitement I, I saw, all around. I saw this hilarious uh, meme about it from a, actually a Chinese Weibo user who said that this is the perfect opportunity for Audi to come in and say Mercedes for people who finish second. <laughs> oh, pretty brutal. I like that. Get one. on it, Audi. Like come on. I want to see it happen. You already invest in esports. This is a Astralis, perfect time yeah. to be on brand. That's right. Do it. God, Do it. We make brand. jet cars and winners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Valve has officially released the dates for the International 9. This will be held at the Mercedes-Benz Arena, speak of the devil, in Shanghai, China, August 16th to the 18th. The grand finals will be taking place the 20th through the 25th. Are you hype? It's almost international time, which means it's time to watch that ridiculous prize pool go up and to the right. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for all for MVP voting on Twitter. Oh, uh, man, it's so great. Think of all the free Benzes we're going to get. <laughs> I'm just let you know now, guys, I really need a Mercedes Benz. If you could vote for me for MVP, it would be amazing if the MVP winner wasn't actually even a player. Uh, that, like just get write in votes. <laughs> right. uh, you know what I think we should do? We should start a campaign to write in vote Rick Fox so that he can get himself a new Benz. I don't know why we would do that. Because but- it's topical. Okay, you, you're just really trying to spin it back to top of the just previous try, topic. I'm just trying to connect the stories together. It is my job as the host. Okay, got it, got it. I just do. I just connect stories together with bad math. <laughs> so yeah, we have yeah, different approaches, do. definitely. Yeah. But I am excited for it. I mean, uh, the international is always a crazy event. The one thing that is kind of it sucks when an event goes to China because it's so hard for media to attend in China. Yeah, because as soon as you have media on your application, yeah. these are denied. Yeah, it is really rough. Um, to give you an example, I think on the West Coast, there is one office in which you can get that, that media visa San approved Francisco. in San Francisco. They don't take uh, – They don't take. Uh, you can't like book a time or they don't take reservations. You have to nope. go and just stand outside and hope you get in. Uh, so that makes it kind of rough to go to china but yep. we can always watch it i've been in that path twice now i got invited oh, to really? china twice and either time could go couldn't get approved well that says a lot about you well they also didn't like the fact that i went to taipei that's a whole other sensitive subject oh yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. Thing. they check your travel too. history and gotcha can't go can't go to taiwan makes people edgy sadness Total sadness. That's going to do it. As always, you can catch us every week on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just head over to eLeagueReport.com for all the ways to listen and subscribe. And while you're over there, leave us a five-star review. We just got a new one. Oh, we did? People are still listening. Oh, wow. Or we tricked some newbie into it, and he didn't know what he was doing. He was just like, 
How do I really appreciate this? it. Also, I could use a new Mercedes Benz. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> I'm going to be ups- I'm upset now that like ESL one Mumbai is like gone because like what? Don't worry. I, it has at least two more crazy things to happen out of it. It probably that's nah, be we're going to find out. To some be weeks. fair, it was such a crazy tournament. It probably now has more viewers than Artifact on Twitch. Oh, but still, oh, oh, man. driving at home. God. I'm really working for that car right now. It's like people are like that man gets a Mercedes. <laughs> yep, I hope so. Oh, man. That's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of the E League Report. 